We're going to be returning tonight to Proverbs chapter 4, message, a passage that we have considered all week and uh, all the different ways that it uh, fans out in the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Last night I had to lay out before you the sad end of the man that God used to write this incredible passage of Scripture. Solomon didn't guard his heart. And he ended up with his heart turned away from God. We guard the heart above all else because the heart is precious. And like all precious things, it's in peril. And so we have considered a mathematical equation each night. I've got a really, really simple one for you here tonight. It only has two sections, so uh, let's bring that up if we can. Okay, uh, y'all, y'all just say it when you get the answer real quick. Come on. <clears throat> uh, 20,580 times 22% equals 4,527.6. There we go. Yes. So 4,527.6 minus 4,280.6 equals, and you all know this answer. 24-7, right, 24-7. Uh, I promise you I would not belabor this point, and I'm not going to, but I don't want you to forget it either. We guard our heart 24-7. We arrange these problems each week so you would understand that in order to get the problem right, you have to get the first question. If you miss the first question, you miss the whole thing. You remember that? Um... You see, I wanted you to see tonight that the enemy today is asking you to solve some very, very complex issues, answer some very complicated questions. At an age when you're far too tender, we used to call it, far too young, not nearly far enough advanced to deal with these complicated issues questions. They're doing it deliberately. There's no question of that in my mind. And so tonight I want us to move to a classic Bible text. You probably learned it sometime in vacation Bible school or Sunday school. Proverbs 119 and verse, or Psalms rather, 119 verse 11, thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Let's say that all aloud together. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Here we have then this vital truth that tells us to hide God's Word in our heart. And there's something about hiding God's Word in our heart that will keep us from sinning against God. Remember, we talked about how the heart is the depository, the place where our desires and our wants, what we want, Uh, comes together with how we feel, our emotions, and then they combine with our beliefs. But tonight I want you to understand that when we believe the Word of God, when it is the Word of God that is our belief, when we believe God and we believe His Word, then those beliefs can keep our wants 
in check. They can keep our emotions in check because ultimately what kicks in with the heart when it's healthy and working right and full of God's truth is the truth of God. So all of these complex issues, all of these things that are happening, all all the complicated stuff that's going on, you can find an answer to in God's Word. See, the problem is not just what's going on in your heart. I hope that none of you are struggling with a lot of those really, really horrid, complicated, complex things going on in our culture right now. Uh, But I promise you, you know somebody who is. Uh, You have maybe some friends who are. And when they start going through a bunch of complicated stuff, it won't take them a nanosecond before they're pushing it on you because you're going to have to make a choice. You're going to have to make a decision. Will you affirm what I'm doing or will you stand on the truth of God? Will you tell me what I'm doing is right? And you know this, students. I don't live your life. I don't have to. I know. I know what's going on. I know you're doing it. I know you have to. They're forcing you to make decisions then. So it may not be something you're struggling with yourself, but you're struggling with it because you have people you love in your life, friends who are struggling with it, and they're sharing those struggles with you. It may not even be friends. Sometimes it's parents. If you've got good godly parents that love each other and love you, this would be a great time to say, thank you, Jesus. You probably won't do it, but it'd be a good time. Thank you, Jesus. Got good parents that love you. Some of you don't. Uh, some of you have parents who've made very, very bad choices, and now those choices are affecting you, and they're having then to make you make a lot of bad choices. You see, it's not all the time just what's in our heart, but it's in what's in the heart of everybody else around us and those around us and the people that we love and our our closest friends, our closest family. And all those things are, because it's complex, it's complicated. But I want you to understand, these are things, very powerful things then, that somebody is forcing these issues on you at this stage in your life. You show me a seven-year-old, a nine-year-old, an 11-year-old girl who's decided she's a boy, I'm going to tell you something. They did not come up with that on their own. Somebody put it into them. Somehow, somewhere along the line. It could be something as simple as somebody sees this little girl playing with trucks and they say, oh, you must be a boy. Now, let me tell you what that is. That's a little girl who likes to play with trucks because girls like to play with trucks too. Some do. Here's a little boy playing with Barbie dolls. They say, ah, you must be a girl. Five years ago, it was, oh, you must be gay. Now it's, you must be a girl. Y'all know this is going on out there. Let me tell you, I'm going to confess something to you tonight. When I was a little, I mean a little guy, little guy. I played with Barbie dolls. I did. I had an older sister. She got Barbie dolls. You see, I had G.I. Joes and all those guys. G.I. Joes is the only thing I can remember. I mean, I had to grow up before I could get a rock'em, sock'em robot. I had, I had G.I. Joes. I know, but they just wasn't enough. We needed somebody for G.I. Joe to kill and fight, so I'd steal her kins. <laughs> I did. I'd leave her the Barbies, but I'd take the Kens, and Kens would come home with their heads all gone, their arms blown off. I mean, they had a bad, bad day. Uh, 
I probably shouldn't have said that, but it's already out now. But you see today in, in your world, in your culture, here it is, all of this stuff, and they see all this stuff, oh, you, and they're trying to make you come to conclusions about things, and many times they're coming to conclusions, conclusions about things that they shouldn't even be thinking about. And if they were just left alone to be a boy and be a girl, to be a child and grow up then and mature, that these things would never get in here. They'd never get in the heart. That culture's not going to leave you alone. They're going to force it. And even if it doesn't get to you, it'll get to your friends. And then your friends are going to use that try to determine what you decide is right or wrong on the basis of what your friends are doing. I want to tell you that for a lot of these kids who are having these complex and complicated situations uh, pushed on them and decisions pushed on them, they end up miserable. Miserable. I can't tell you how I know that, but I know it. They end up miserable. Their minds and hearts are so full of pain and turmoil you can't imagine. They don't deserve our hate. We don't hate them. We love them. I, I know who could save them, but their hearts are just messed up. I'll tell you something else. A lot of kids aren't surviving this. They aren't surviving it. Well, as adults, we have a saying about a lot of complex, complicated things. We say, that's way above my pay grade. <clears throat> that's way above my pay grade. You see, that's our way if you work in a place. You know, you're the guy that maybe uh, busses off the tables and they've got to make some menu decision. Hey, that's above my pay grade. Somebody higher up is going to have to make that decision for me. I, don't, I, I can't make that decision, and quite frankly, I don't want to have the responsibility of having made that decision because if it messes up, I don't want them coming back on me and chewing me out. This decision is way above my pay grade. Somebody higher up is going to have to make it. I got great news for you tonight, students. Somebody higher up is deciding those complex, complicated questions for you. He's always available. There is no higher court than Him. Nobody to appeal to beyond Him. Our great God has already settled these issues for us. And He wrote them down for us in His Word. Only God has the power to determine your gender. And He already has. Only God has the power to decide so many things about you. And He already has. This is where this great truth of Psalm 119 comes in. I will hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Uh, the enemy's relentless on this. Folks, these issues aren't going to go away. They're going to get much, much worse. Twenty years from now, I'll probably be in glory walking around on streets of gold. Twenty years from now, you're going to be raising your own kids. And I promise you, you're going to be raising them in a world Unless Jesus comes in a world that is far, far different than this one. You think it's already come a long way? Ah, uh, you ain't seen nothing yet. It's coming. The enemy is relentless. That's why that we as spiritual leaders, 
as pastors, as churches, as teachers, while here at camp, we must be pouring more and more biblical truth into you at an earlier and earlier age. You see, you're out in the culture for hours and hours and days of every week. You're in church at best, most of you, an hour or two a week. You get one, month, uh, one week in the summer. I mean, this is like a, a ping-pong bowl going up a, a, against a massive diesel uh, locomotive. It just, I mean, you get just a very tiny bit of time. And if all you're getting is what you're getting at church, if all you're getting is what you're getting from the preacher, if all you're getting is what you're getting from the teacher, if all you're getting is what you get in church on Sunday morning, you're not getting near enough of the Word of God in your heart to stand up against the onslaught of this. You see, we can teach it to you, but then it's up to you to decide whether you're going to feast on foolishness. We talked about that last night. Or whether you're going to take in the Word of God. There's a lot of issues you'll face in life. It's like cutting your hair or dyeing it. You can dye your hair pink and have green highlights. And if you do, young ladies, I'm going to tell you, or young men, I'll probably tell you, hey, that's cool. I, I probably won't tell you what I really think, but, you know, you want pink hair and green highlights? Okay, maybe I didn't offend anybody tonight. You dye your hair pink with green highlights six months from now if you leave it alone don't go back to the hairdresser or whatever you do to do it six months from now it's going to be gone you guys want to cut your hair in a mohawk don't but if you do six months from now it's going to be gone, it's going to be gone. <laughs> <laughs> might take a few more years for some of you but it will be done some things are like haircuts and hairstyles you know they're here for a little while and then they're gone some things are like tattoos uh, that's a horse of a different color. Some things are like amputations and body modifications. They last for the rest of your life. You have friends, boyfriends, even girlfriends who begin to pressure you about sex. Some of you may have already experienced that pressure and some of you may have already given in to it. We know about the desires. We've looked at them the way they work on the heart. We know about the emotions and how our hearts can pull us down and weaken our spirits. But by shaping all of these issues by, around your friends and what they're going through and what they think and what they believe and are you going to affirm me or are you going to stand with me? You see, they're, they're trying to put this, these issues between you and the truth of God that's in your heart. Well, tonight we're going to look at how powerful the Word of God is. And I'm going to try to get us out of here, I promise, before 8.30. I promise. Uh, I, I, hopefully a lot more than that. I will hide thy word in my heart. Let's look at another passage that Solomon wrote and forgot. Proverbs 3.1 My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. I'm going to read that again, students just in case you didn't see it. Let your heart keep my commands for length of days, long life, and peace. They will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man.
As in all the other passages we've looked at this week, we see how the heart plays a pivotal role in this. Let your heart keep my commands. That's the first thing he said. Let your heart keep my commands. There's a lot of things that God has said for us to do. There are a lot of things that God said for us not to do. There is not a single person in this building tonight, including myself, who would say that we always do what God has told us to do, or that we always are faithful not to do the things that God has told us not to do. There's not a person in this building. How do I know that? Because the Bible says that there's not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Not a one of us have got this right all the time. And so that tells us that even though the Word of God can be in our heart, it's not always, always going to come out in our action. And when it doesn't, and we sin, what then? 1 John 3, 18. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And John is talking about the things we do and the things that we feel and the things that we want or maybe the things that we're thinking about doing. And this heart, this spiritual heart that's inside of us that has the Word of God in it and we believe in God and we believe in God's truth. And that heart then goes into action. Sometimes it condemns us. And sometimes it doesn't. We think about something and our heart is condemned, burdened about it. Reason for that is a condition counselors call, secular counselors call cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance. Now, if you Google that, I'll caution you, you'll find a lot of psychological theory that pushes it entirely too far. Cognitive dissonance simply describes a place where we believe one thing is true, but we're doing something else. We believe one thing. We believe something is wrong, but we're doing it anyway. We believe one thing, but we're living another way. And the theory of cognitive dissonance, which has been pretty well established in a lot of people's lives, and I think we'll all see it and you'll understand where at least to this degree it is right, it tells us that when we believe one way or we're living another, we will either change our beliefs or we'll change the way we're living. Secular psychology has come up with that. <laughs> Any, any, any first-year Bible uh, seminary student could tell you that. When we believe one way and we live another, we'll either change our beliefs or we'll change our behavior. You know the world is out to get you to change your beliefs. But you see, when we hide God's Word in our heart and our heart is deep and we're considering this or making choices or making decisions, we're living something, as long as our sinner holds, we've got our heart full of the Word of God and therefore we know what is right and we know what's wrong. We may not always do what is right, students. We might not always avoid what is wrong, but we still know what's right and wrong. In our hearts, in our heart of hearts, we know. And it's such a dangerous thing for us to push those things out of our heart. 
Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15 says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you're called in one body, and be you thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. What a difference 200 and some odd teenagers could make in the schools, in the community, in our state, if you started going home and doing that. Imagine what a difference it would make on your news feed, <laughs> on your Facebook feed, on your uh, whatever else, your tweeter or Twitter or whatever it is. Imagine if you suddenly fill that up with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs of teaching and admonishing and encouraging one another in the Word of God. <laughs> you said, my friends all think I'm nuts. Yeah. They probably will. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. You see, when we're thinking about doing something or thinking about saying something or thinking about going somewhere and we feel something in our hearts, we put the word of God in there. We might not can remember it, <laughs> but the Holy Spirit does. He put it in your heart, maybe when you were in Bible school. He put it in your heart when you were in Awana and Cubbies or, 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 or Sparkies. He put it in your heart when you were going uh, to Sunday school every Sunday. Or maybe He put it in your heart here. And when He needs it, He knows it's there. The word, does the Holy Spirit speak to us? Yes. How? Through His Word. Through His Word. And when it is hidden in our heart, it is right there, right there. You don't have to wait till Sunday. You may not could bring it up, but the Holy Spirit can. And sometimes He's going to use His Word then with what we theologians call <laughs> conviction. What is conviction? It's when the Spirit troubles your heart. Students, when you feel that, that trouble in your heart, that turmoil in your heart. A lot of times, that's the Holy Spirit at work because the Bible says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. See, the world just says, let your, let your heart be your guide. Let's follow the heart. But the Bible tells us to follow the Spirit as He leads you to follow God's Word. Thy Word have I hid in my what? Thy word, are y'all with me still? Thy word have I hid in my that I might not sin against thee. John chapter 16 and verse 13, Jesus said that when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all, all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. That's the way the Holy Spirit works. To guide us into the truth. What truth? The truth of God's Word. Let's look then at our second, pass, uh, second statement in, in Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, my son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. And then he says, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. One of the great things about getting old and having to, the opportunity to preach to a generation that's as young as y'all are is I get to tell you all the old preacher jokes. There was an old preacher joke 
about an old man, an old woman who got in their truck. He had an old F-150, Brother Shiloh, an old F-150 Ford, bench seat in the front. It's old. Going down that old gravel road, you know, it's one of those steering wheels that goes like this, old man driving along. They, they meet another vehicle coming up on them, and it's a narrow road, so they have to pull over and almost stop, and, and the, the other road comes along beside them, and inside is a, is a young man, a young woman, and they're all hugged up. I mean, you couldn't get a dollar bill between them. They're just riding so close down the road. The old woman looked at her husband and said, I remember when we used to sit close like that. And the husband, quick as a flash, said, I ain't moved. I didn't say it was a funny joke. I ain't moved. I will tell you this, though. That man, according to the story, did not get any supper for the rest of the week. I tell you, man, you can get, some, you, you, you can get a jab in like that, guys, but it just ain't worth it. I can tell you, I've been married a long time. I told you that story for a reason. See, I, I, I told you that the things that, uh, that the, these issues that are being given to you are, are being wedged into your heart, and the goal is that it would drive a wedge between you and God. And so you get this pressure, you get all of these issues, all of these temptations, all the failures, all the discouragement, all the persecutions, the hard time. There is going to be pressure. It's going to be on your heart. But the question is where you let it come. If you let it come between you and God and between you and God's truth, it'll push you further and further away from Him. God's truth's not going to move, students. God's truth is not going to move. But the pressures this world is bringing into you is trying to force you, you, to move away from God's truth. But that same pressure can come and if you keep it on the outside of your heart, students, what does it do then? It pushes you closer to God. Instead of driving you away from God's truth when that trouble comes, when that trial comes, when that persecution comes, when that complicated, complex issue comes, it'll drive you to God on your knees saying, God, what do I need to do? And there's where the Word of God is. We'll pick up then an awesome New Testament passage in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 10. Therefore, I was angry, God said, with that generation. And he's talking about a generation in the wilderness wandering when they left uh, Egypt and came to the promised land. He was angry with that generation, God said, because they do always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways, so I swore in my, in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren. Oh, that's a big word when you see it in the Bible. Students, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Think about that the next time you're considering putting some distance between you and God's truth. Don't take that evil heart of unbelief and depart from the living God. 
Over and over, you'll see it in the Bible that peace and belief in the Word are running together. There's where rejection of God and His Word then leads to turmoil and judgment and struggle and sorrow. Jesus famously made this offer then in Matthew chapter 11 when He said, Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. Remember that bind them around your neck that Solomon had? He was not referring to a necklace, folks. Bind them around her neck was a yoke. And that's not an egg yoke. Yoke. <laughs> that's an, a yoke that was put on an oxen's neck that was used to steer them around. You see, the Word of God needs to be on our neck because it helps us to make our choices. And here is Jesus saying, take my yoke upon you. What is that? It is the same thing it was in Proverbs 3. It is the truth of God, the commandments of God, the Word of God. Put my yoke around your neck and bind it. Let me tell you something. You grab somebody by the neck, they're going to go where you did The Word of God bound around our neck. But Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. People have been arguing with Jesus about that ever since he said it. But if you think living God's way is hard, try living the devil's way for a while and see what that gets you. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. Some of you in this building tonight are laboring. You are heavy laden. You are carrying burdens you don't have to carry. Because Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, invites you to come to Him Take His yoke, and He will lead you in the right way. We're going to close out tonight looking at something that the prophet Ezekiel told us. I've got a couple other passages I'll throw in, of course, but we're wrapping up. You see, the, the Word of God is vital to us. Yes, yes, the, the heart is where our desires, what we want, come together with our emotions, how we feel, and, and then they come up to what we believe. What we believe is right and wrong. And if our heart is filled with the Word of God, our heart then will be guided and directed by that powerful and incredible truth as it is energized by the Holy Spirit. By the way, His name is the Holy Spirit of truth. The Comforter who will guide us into all truth. And when we have that then in our hearts, students, it'll keep us from doing everything we might think of doing and wanting to do. It'll keep us from a lot of bad feelings that we allow just to dominate our heart because when we trust in the Lord, our, our hearts are happy. Sometimes things go wrong, and I want to show you what the prophet Ezekiel said a long time ago. Ezekiel 33 and 30. God is speaking here to Ezekiel. He said, as for you, son of man, and remember Ezekiel was a preacher. As for you, son of man, the children of your people are talking about you beside the walls and in the doors of the houses. And they speak to one another, everyone saying to his brother, please come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. So they come to you as people do. They sit before you as my people and they hear your words, but they do not do them. For with their mouth, they show much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. 
Indeed, you are to them as a very lovely song of one who has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument, for they hear your words, but they do not do them. God said, Ezekiel, I've got something I need to tell you, Ezekiel. Your, your people are talking about you. Every preacher in this building tonight would say, well, do tell. <laughs> My people are talking about me. Ezekiel's a preacher. That's what he was. Ezekiel, my, my people are talking about you. And what, what are they saying? They're saying, well, come listen to our preacher. <laughs> we got a great preacher. Come listen to what he says. Oh, you need to come. We, we, gotta, we got, man, you need to hear the word of God. And, and so they come, God said. And this is God. This is God describing Sunday morning. Actually, it was Saturday morning, but for us it would be Sunday morning. Saturday morning long ago. Sunday morning. God describing a Sunday morning 10 o'clock crowd or 11 they come and they sit before you, as my people do, and they hear your words, but they don't do them. With their mouth they show love, but their hearts really are pursuing their own gain. God in heaven looked down at his, his crowd, the crowd that came to hear Ezekiel, the crowd that comes to your church, the crowd that comes to my church. God looked down on them all. Said what they're really looking for is something that'll help them be better, do better, feel better, make more money. Something they're pursuing their own gain. That's what they're looking for. Indeed, you are to them as a very lovely song. Who we like that, man. There's something in us that likes to hear somebody firing it up. I mean, we like preaching. I remember going to church years ago and I had a lady, she was a former pastor's wife, in fact, who pulled me aside and said, oh, she said, our, our church loves good preaching. If, if you don't know how to preach, she said, we'll teach you. And she was right. They, 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 they did. They, they will. Uh, I, we love our preaching, she said. Now, we ain't going to do nothing about it, she said. I was there long enough to know that she wasn't kidding. And after 40 some odd years of doing this, I know how true it is. People love their preaching. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if we don't like one, we'll get us another one. We love our preaching. Never forget, students, God is watching. He sees all this play out. And he knows what a dangerous thing it is then when we get that final moment, those few precious moments that we have, when we actually have the Word of God being poured into us, when we're being taught the Word of God, and we sit there and just let it go in one ear and out the other. Load up the kids and said, where are we going to eat lunch? By the time you get to Kentucky Fried Chicken, just about everything God did and said in that service is gone. It can play out right here at camp. By the time you get back down to the Gaga Ball pit, everything God did in this place can be gone if you'll let it. God sees it. He's seen it for generations of His people. They come before you, they sit, they listen. See, that's where this thing breaks down. It's a big difference when we hide our word in our hearts so that we don't sin against God. Go back to that text and show you a little bit more of the context. And 
Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? You see, when our hearts go bad and our spirits get weak, our desires and our emotions can make an awful mess. An awful mess. And we have then this great word from the psalmist. How, oh God, how, how can I clean up this mess? God answers. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to thy word. All over this building tonight, there's people that need a cleanup on aisle H. That's aisle heart. There's a big mess there. And I want to tell you tonight how that can happen. For some of you, it's all about 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 where the Bible says if we confess our sin, and that means simply to agree with God, we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us, there's that word, from all unrighteousness. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to thy word. What is the word? Confess your sin to God. Ask Him for forgiveness. He'll cleanse your heart. He can clean up your mess. I'm not going to tell you tonight. He's going to take away all the consequences. Actions have consequences. That's the law of physics. That's the law of God's universe. Actions have consequences. I'm not going to tell you he'll take away all the consequences. But I'll tell you, no matter what is it's coming down the road, no matter how messed up it might be, God can give you peace. He can give you forgiveness so that everything in your heart of hearts, your sinner, then is holding. I told you last night the story of Daniel. One Daniel, a great man of God. I'm not going to show you a scripture tonight. I'll just call it out to you. You can read it later. Maybe some of your late night can go read it. It's in Genesis 39, the story of a man named Joseph. Y'all already know the story. Uh, Joseph was another one of those Bible characters that lost everything. His own brothers <laughs> sold him into slavery. Some of y'all got a brother like that. Don't look at me that way. I <laughs> know uh, you got a brother you think might sell you out, or maybe you think about maybe leaving him with a neighbor for a while. I mean, it, you know, it's always been that way. Families can get pretty tore up, but now they didn't just think about it, they did it. They sold him into slavery in Egypt. A guy named Potiphar bought him. Put him in charge of all of his house. His wife got to looking at him, Potiphar's wife. Got a crush on him. She got pretty insistent. Uh, she was very blunt in her appeal to Joseph. She said, come and have sex with me. Joseph gave a simple response. How could I do this great sin? 
How could I do this great iniquity and sin against God? Now, let's just stop for a minute. Okay, Joseph had been sold out from his family down in Israel. He'd lost everything that he ever had. Now he's down in Egypt. Now he's a slave, and as far as he knows, that's all he's ever going to be is a slave. And instead of just letting his desires go, Joseph said, I'm not going to sin against God. You see that, students? God's Word was in his heart, even in Egypt. God's Word was in his heart, even in Egypt. God's Word, even in Potiphar's house, even with Miss Potiphar, even when nobody was looking but him and her, God's Word was still in his heart. And what did it do? It kept him from sinning against God. Brother Jason, the band comes up. I want to close out a couple of things with you. I hope and I pray when I look across this crowd tonight uh, that I'm not looking at a, a lot of kids who have messed up badly. I hope and I pray you haven't. Most of you are in church every Sunday. You've got good mamas and daddies. You've been raised right and you know what's right and wrong. And I pray that most of you, almost all of you maybe have not messed up. But even as I hope that, I know the world you're living in. I know the incredible pressure that's being put on you right now. And I know what the goal is. To pull you away from God. To drive a wedge between you and God and between you and God's truth. To get in between you. So that you choose then the culture. You choose all of these other things instead of being on the other side where you let these things push you closer and closer to God. I've prayed all day. I've prayed all day. I knew I was going to throw a lot of scriptures at you, and, and believe you me, folks, I've, I've taken a bunch of them out. I had more than I could possibly cover. And I've prayed all day that this would be the night that you young men and young ladies would make that decision. I'm not going to let these things worm its way and push its way into my heart and push me away from God and His truth. This is going to be the night that yes, I've got this pressure. Yes, I've got this problem. Yes, I've got this trial. Yes, I've got this mistake. Yes, I've got this habit. Yes, I've got this failure. God, I've had it between you and me too long. Just tonight, God, I want to put it on the other side of me. So instead of it pushing me away from you, God, tonight, I'm going to let it push me to you. So that I'll run to you. Same pressure. Same problem. Same issue. Just all depends on where you let it come into your heart on this side to push you closer or in between to push you further away. Let's stand together, please.